Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome to another hour dedicated to inquiry, reflection, questions, possibilities, philosophical quandaries, uncovering dissonance, and a whole lot more, all in our effort to understand exactly what enlightenment means and what it is to be enlightened. Indeed, an hour dedicated to learning something more about ourselves, an hour designed to help us go further inward and perhaps challenge some of those old ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become. This is an hour for the open-minded, for where our search might take us may provoke a level of insight that may just perturb our notion of what is real, what is tractable, what is important, and more. It is therefore an hour where we admit that our foregone conclusions could all be wrong, and in that way, truly open ourselves up to the plausibility of a new level of comprehension that in some way, somehow, may indeed lead to that elusive state known as enlightenment. My partner, Ravinder, is here in the studio with me today. So say hello to everyone out there, Rav. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. We have an exciting show coming up, but I'm not going to give anything else away yet. Okay, every week I read some of your letters as our way of acknowledging the importance you play in helping us to shape our show and improve it in every way. Okay, the last couple of weeks have had me traveling, what with the I Can Do It conferences in both San Diego and Toronto. I want to thank all of you that attended my workshops and or were kind enough to seek me out, if for nothing else, and to say hello. Faith wrote, Hi, Eldon. Thanks for hooking up and for the awesome talk you gave last weekend in Toronto. Hope you enjoyed your visit as much as we enjoyed having you. What a way to spend Sunday morning. Some food for thought and some chuckles. Love listening to your show on Hay House. Keep up the great work and make sure you come back soon. Well, thank you, Faith, and what a wonderful time I did have in your lovely city. Now, Cheryl wrote, I attended your seminar at I Can Do It, and it was fantastic. I received a packet today in the mail from the workshop and wanted to thank you. It is fantastic, and I have been listening to Serenity and Music from your book I purchased and am reading since I returned. Your work is fascinating and compelling. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you, Cheryl. And for all of you out there, Cheryl is speaking about my book, Mind Programming, which was just released in paperback. The book comes with a free CD, Serenity. We'll play a little of that CD if we get a chance later today, later in our show. As uh, you know, the book and the, and, and the paperback release are really what our show's about today. Victoria wrote, your book, Mind Programming, is wonderful. Not only did you point out how our freedom to think is so easily taken from us without our knowledge, but you provided information and tools with which we can protect ourselves and forge ahead. Thank you for that. Will wrote, I have your new mind programming book. It's great to be able to take our power back. Thank you for your God-given work, Eldon, and may God and his angels bless you always. Well, thank you very much, Will. Kim wrote, thank you for writing your book, Mind Programming. It has been so enlightening for me. I was adamant against believing there was such a thing as, quote, brainwashing, until I read your insights. It has taken me a few months to see the bigger picture for my life, but I likened it to being a fish and not being able to see the muddy water that supported me. Janet wrote, Dear Eldon, very thrilled about the progression your life has taken since I first purchased subliminal tapes for my practice from you in the late 80s, silently admiring the expansion and delighting in the number of lives you are now touching. 
with a little help from beyond. Wishing you continued and renewed vibrations of wellness on every level. Well, thank you very much, Janet. That's a beautiful letter. And actually, I'm pretty sure it's a lot of help from beyond. All right, Philippa wrote, I would like to thank you for the inexpressible beauty of your CD, Increasing Spiritual Awareness. Six months after I first heard it, I still look forward every day to being immersed in its magical cascade of vibraphones, horns, and chimes. In my experience, ISA, Increasing Spiritual Awareness, is more than just a record. It's a portal. The celestial world offers a glimpse of its glory and wonders from the other side. Well, thank you and, and thank all of you. Uh, that's That, too, is a beautiful letter, Philippa. Darlene wrote, You are a bright light. Keep the shine going. I lent my friend a copy of Forgiving and Letting Go. She was so pleased with its role in helping resolve and release longstanding memories that she bought Positive Mental Attitude and Accelerated Healing, two of your other CDs, to play to her reflexology clients during their sessions. She says some of them were skeptical when she initially suggested they try Intertalk, but now they always ask for the CDs to be put on themselves. Okay, and Yulesa, and Yulesa, I hope I'm saying your name correctly. I love your Hay House radio show. Well, we love you, all of you out there, and and I love your letters, and I have to tell you that uh, they just give me a warm, fuzzy feeling, and so thank you, thank you very much. That's all the time we're going to take for letters today, but I do invite you to opine by leaving comments on my website or by joining me on Facebook. I do read all of your letters, including those that don't make it to our show, and they do impact our programming. There are at least four benefits that I see to sharing these letters. First, the writer is acknowledged uh, when we read the letter, and they deserve that. Second, the listener often learns of products or services that they otherwise would not know about. Take the free MP3s that we make available on eldentaylor.com. If it weren't for letters that had come in uh, asking about those programs, asking how you could access them, Uh, it probably wouldn't have been something you would have learned about. Third, the show is often driven by the feedback, including our guests. And fourth, I freely admit, once again, that I truly enjoy reading your comments. Now to today's subject. I like to think of my work as spreading the word, the word that it's okay to wake up. My business and life changed in 1984 when I turned from a world of intelligence and counterintelligence lie detection, forensic hypnosis, investigations, and so forth, to the business known as Progressive Awareness Research, the corporation I direct today. Now, still today, I find that what I do is often no more or less than in some way or another assisting myself and others in progressively becoming more and more aware. By now, those of you that listen regularly to our show know that I think we wake up as a world, one person at a time. Further, I believe there are degrees of being awake and that the journey to truly awakening begins by turning inward. As Socrates put it, the unexamined life is not worth living. Or another way of seeing seeing this is evident in the words of the brilliant Carl Jung when he said, and that's Jung, Carl Jung, I know that, you know, When he said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Think about it. I know from the hard research that, as Henry Frederick Emile put it, 
quote, our greatest illusion is to believe that we are what we think ourselves to be, end quote. If there was ever a mantra prodding me to write mind programming, from persuasion and brainwashing to self-help and practical metaphysics, it well could have been the words of Emil. Tuesday night, I will be in Seattle for the Seattle True Independent Film Festival screening of the documentary Programming the Nation. Together with Jeff Warwick, the film's producer, I will be answering questions following this big screen debut. The film and the first half of my book are hand-in-glove accounts of just who, what, when, where, and how your mind is targeted for what I think of as thought transplants. Now, you should know that literally billions and billions of dollars have been spent by what today we call neuromarketers to plumb the depths of your subconscious mind, giving them access to you in ways you're not likely to even imagine. I personally have had companies approach me about how these techniques can be employed to further enhance uh, their methodologies uh, involved in tweaking your subconscious so that you're making choices that you think are your choices that aren't really your choices at all. Indeed, you know, that reminds me. Just last week in Toronto for some 600-plus people, I demonstrated how easy it was to control a thought outcome or choice. The fact of the matter is this can be done with over 90% of the population, 99% of the time, and they will believe they made the choice of their own free will. The point of notice here is this. You are often making choices, at least in all probability, that have been made for you. You are often owning thoughts that aren't your thoughts. They're the thoughts others want you to own. Think on this. Take a moment to reflect on the clothes you wear, the goals you have, the automobile you want, the way you wear your hair, how you use your body and hands when talking and walking. Indeed, think of yourself right now and who you are. Once you have this clearly in mind, clearly in mind, then ask yourself this question. What was your last truly original thought? I have asked thousands of people this question, and I get a universal answer. Silence. Absolute silence. For me, this is all about becoming authentic. I remember the lines from a book I read in college by the British psychiatrist Robert Lang. In his book, Knots, K-N-O-T-S, he describes the inauthentic nature of the masses. He sees their behavior as pretending. This pretending begins when we are young in our effort to avoid pain and rejection. We begin to hide ourselves in favor of a projected self that our friends, peers, parents, and so forth will accept. In Lang's words, paraphrased, I see they are playing a game. He's speaking, of course, of the game of pretending to be. You think of all the games we pretend, the games that we think of as our job, our parenting roles, what we do with our life, what our ambitions are. So again, Lang puts it this way. I see they are playing a game. 
If I let them know that I see they are playing a game, they won't let me play the game. So to play the game, I must pretend not to see that they are playing a game. I might add this, and at some point, I forget that I am playing a game in order to play the game. For me, mind programming is first about disclosing how this counterfeit self is made and later controlled, programmed, if you will. The second half of this 100,000-word book deals with how you take back the control of your mind, your own thoughts, your own choices, and thereby rediscover the joy and magic of your authentic self. You can think of the journey as one of self-discovery and self-actualization. Okay, Ravinder is joining me for this discussion today. She has spoken with uh, many of you in person, over the phone, and through our chat room, and as such, she has your questions and input well in mind. I could continue a monologue, but too often I find myself on some soapbox preaching to the choir. So we'll have Ravinder see that I stay on point, the point you are most interested in. That said, Ravinder, what type of comments are you getting about mind programming? We get some marvelous comments. Um, you know, we get comments from people who have read the book. We actually we get uh, comments from other people in our field as well. Joan Borisenko said, brainwashing and marketing are big business, and your precious mind is a coveted commodity. In this book, Eldon Taylor exposes all and tells you how to take your power back and be free to become your own best self. Eldon is really a master. Now, I know you're the master. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> but haven't you also appeared as an expert witness in court cases involving hypnosis and subliminal communication? Yes, I have. I have indeed. You know what that's like? No. Well, let me, let me kind of draw you out a picture. You have two sides of an equation in a court of law. One side wants you to be the expert, wants you to look like you're the most intelligent person on the planet. The other side, their intent on making you appear to be the dumbest person you can possibly imagine. So what happens is it plays out this way. You have two people, one making you look good, and the other one going through your laundry with a fine-tooth comb trying to destroy your credibility. I remember when I testified in the Judas Priest case. Imagine having CBS and, and their resources uh, decide that they're going to do everything they can to make you appear to be the dumbest person that ever walked this planet. That would be so scary. Well, that's, 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 <laughs> that's what it's... not sound like fun at all. Well, that's what it's like. That's what it is. But if you pass that test and you're an expert witness, then I think it's okay to say that you are a master. Well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if anybody ever passed that test, but I have qualified as an expert witness. So, uh, you know, that said, uh, what has that got to do with mind programming? How? How? Well, it's, it, I think it counts toward the background that you have. You know, the expertise that you bring, the amount of research that you have done, and you present it really well in mind programming. You lay everything out very clearly. One of the other comments I got to is from Pamela Holloway. Pamela says, Taylor takes us inside a world that most of us never knew existed, the world of subliminal advertising, sales manipulation, and everyday brainwashing. 
He exposes the mental manipulation behind it all, dissects how it works, and helps you understand what you can do to protect yourself from it. You know, what I find interesting here is while most people have heard about mind control techniques, most people still do not believe that it happens to them. You said earlier about the demonstration you did um, at the I Can Do It in Toronto and San Diego. What was it that you got everyone to do? Because it got a heck of a reaction. Well, you know, there was actually two things that we did, two quick, simple, easy demonstrations. You know, think of all the countries that there are in the world. Um, and imagine that I am going to get 90% of you or more to choose the country I want you to choose. Not only that, in the same uh, experiment, I'm also going to get you to choose the animal I want you to choose. So you think of all the animals that are out there. Now, what are the odds that I can um, get you to choose the animal and uh, the country that I want And you think, you honestly believe you made the choice all by yourself without any coaching, without any any preparation, without any, you know, here you are, you're just thinking, think of a country. Okay, I I, I think of it. All right, now think of an animal. All right, now I think of it. And now I tell you, this is the country and this is the animal. What are the odds of that? I know. I was in the audience when you did that. I've seen it before, and it amazed me, and everyone around me as well was just, you know, how did he do that? Well, and you know what, what, and of course I do tell people how that was done. At first, you know, there were some people that thought you were just psychic, or you were using some form of mental self-control. You know, when people see what you're really capable of doing, you you just take the last one in Toronto, where, you know, you go bang, bang, bang. And, and first of all, you know, they look at a wall and suddenly there's Jesus that appears yeah. out of nowhere on oh, the they wall. Love that one. And, and they're just, how did you do that? You know, and you can joke about it and say, well, you know, if I was a televangelist, now I'd pass the plate. <laughs> but but the fact of the matter is you just put a positive hallucination in their head. And they're seeing it, and it doesn't matter where they look. They can look on the ceiling, on the floor, the door. They can close their eyes. There it is. It's in their head. And they're going, how did you do that? And then you turn around, and you you give them something like the country animal selection. And you show them how that's done afterwards, and they're going, wow. And then, with that knowledge still in their hands, you say, okay, you know what I'm going to do? And, and then you show them how you can get them to make the same kinds of decisions again, thinking it's their decision still, like as with the bunny rabbit, uh, 14 carat, 18 carat, you remember? I do. Because you are going to employ the techniques that you know their mind's going to follow. It's kind of, you know, not long ago we had... uh, Steve Halpern on. Uh-huh. One of the things that Stephen demonstrated was the do, re, mi, fa, so, uh, la. I know. And, and of course, amazing. he came to the last and he didn't say it. it and, and there was a pause. And because he hadn't said it, you know, all of us are anticipating it. We've already filled it in in our mind. And then Steve says, you, it's okay to breathe. You don't need to hold your breath. <laughs> and then you realize, oh, I'm holding my breath. I know. Because you are, that's how you would sing it. You see... We actually behave very much in, in a in a manner that you could think of as programmed. 
like like a robot. And, and much of how we go through our day is automatic. So we, we don't even think about it. Uh, and by automatic, I do mean truly automatic. There is no mindfulness, mindfulness per se attached to how most of us go through our days. So when you think of choices that people make, you know, it's typically between A, B, and C, uh, when indeed there's an entire alphabet of choices out there. And it's, you know, they're, they're making it again within a context, within a framework. And, and as I pointed out so many times, these contexts can be just so limiting and so damaging as to how we think about things that, that we really become circumscribed by our own uh, minds, by our own belief systems, by our own uh, set of rules. So how can you tell if you're doing something from your own choice or because you've been manipulated into it? I mean, I find this whole area really scary, really off-putting. It's like, who am I if everything I am has been, you know, manipulated by somebody else? Well, you know, how do you tell? That's that, the, the question that you have here begs the entire issue, you know, and, and to me, the entire issue is who am I? So I, I come back and I ask you, what was your last original thought? I mean, if you get up in the morning and you're thinking about going to work and you're going to put on your makeup and you're going to put on your, you're, you're going to dress in a given day, you are thinking about how you're going to conform to all the rules and all the ways that you live your life. Uh, when we're children, very small children, we see a butterfly lift off the ground for the first time and it's absolutely amazing. We're in, we're in just awe. Uh, the world is just, you know, beyond our comprehension is just magical 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 that person that is who we are has disengaged from the world that person no longer sees magic in anything everything fits the knowledge paradigm what i've learned uh what i've learned is well i i dress this way i want this uh you know my ambition is to become this. Um, you know, I, I, I seek to own this kind of an automobile. Uh, I seek to have this kind of a relationship. It's all been defined for us. There's nothing natural about who we are. Well, creativity, honesty, integrity, the authentic side of us is that natural side, that natural side that looks out there and sees the butterfly and sees awe. That natural side that looks at ourselves and the magic and the miracle that we are and that recognizes it. Before we get back to today's show, remember, I invite your comments and feedback to our programming. You can leave your remarks on my website, Eldon Taylor, that's E-L-D-O-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R.com. Uh, you can email me at Eldon, E-L-D-O-N, at intertalk, I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com, or you can just join me on Facebook. I also invite you to subscribe to my free newsletter, again, by going to eldentaylor.com. Next, if you enjoy our show, please become a fan of Provocative Enlightenment on Facebook. Just search Provocative Enlightenment and join us. And finally, remember to register for my free newsletter when you visit my site, eldentaylor.com. This way, you will always know where I am and what's on next. 
Okay, we're discussing mind programming and the official launch of the book's paperback release. You can see the details by going to eldentaylor.com. Uh, this is a book that I have received hundreds of letters on. Um, I consider it to be uh, one of my very best, uh, simply because the first 100,000 pages, or the first 50,000 words, I should say, are all uh, aimed at showing you how and why somebody else owns so many of your thoughts. And sometimes that's done with some, you know, here's the hard ammunition. Uh, For example, we often hear pundits uh, yell out uh, words to the effect that subliminal advertising isn't used, advertisers don't use it, they don't use it because it doesn't work, da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, the fact of the matter is that's all a great lie. Uh, These people that want to tell you that don't want you to know just how effective it is. So what I've done in the first half of the book is I've taken an actual advertising training manual, and I've shown two of the ads that they've airbrushed that have been major ads appeared in magazines worldwide. You'll see the ads You'll recognize them. You probably remember seeing them in some publication. And then the ad is taken apart in full color so that you can see in their own words why they brush in uh, sexual embeds and taboo embeds and death embeds and how that causes you to respond unconsciously. Uh, I wanted to make it clear in that first half, this whole story about Bernays, the nephew of uh, of Sigmund Freud, who decided to use the, the tools that Uncle Freud had discovered to, in his words in the book Propaganda, to control the masses. I mean, he says it is the duty of the elite to control the masses in such a way that they'll they'll march in lockstep so that a democracy can actually exist. I don't know about most of the people um, that you know, but I know most of those that I know are offended by that kind of, of thinking. So the first half of the book deals with that. The second half of the book deals with how I can take control of my mind back. Uh, and, 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 of course, along the way, I give you several illustrations because I think it's critically important that everybody understands just how bound we can get in in our own fences that are our stream of consciousness, our thoughts, our patterns. And, and, and as wonderful as things like affirmations are, affirmations aren't going to break through those fences. If we have a defense mechanism that's in place, it's there to protect us emotionally, and, and it's been structured around these belief uh, systems, uh, you can you can run all the affirmations you want. It really isn't going to to change it. It's going to kind of push. You have to change how you think from the inside out. You have to really, really prime that inner talk. Not you know this this stuff that I can say to myself. I like myself. I'm good. That's really that's really powerful. But it meets an instant resistance, and the resistance goes like this. I say to myself. I am good. And then I, I'm quiet for a minute. And I may hear some self-talk come back that says something like, sure, good at what? Do you remember when? How about? 
you know, and, and I demonstrate that all the time with the old, how many of you want to make a million dollars? And everybody raises their hand. So then all you have to do is say to yourself, you know, meaningfully, I, this year I'm going to make a million dollars. Let's let's begin to rehearse that. And when I say that and people begin to say that to themselves silently, you start seeing smiles and hear some laughter. And that's because they get talked back like, sure, what are you going to do, rob a bank? Uh, so it, it is incredibly important, in my view, that if you're going to become authentic, if you're truly going to attempt to become enlightened, that what you do is take a good, long, deep look at who you are, how you became that, and whether or not you're really happy with it. And if you find yourself acting out of habit, you find yourself doing things that you say you never would do, you find yourself looking back and saying, hey, why did I do that? I should have done this. Well, I'm going to suggest that those things don't happen by accident. And, you know, one of the conversations that's had on campuses today, Ravinder, and I, I know you know this, is a great discussion about free will. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason this is such an academic issue is that the research shows us that before there's a conscious thought, there's a activity in the unconscious that for all intent and purposes is telling the conscious what to do. So as you know, uh, I have a good friend in Hilo, Hawaii, uh, who is a neurosurgeon, um, Jack Turner. And, and, uh, you know, his opinion is there's no such thing as free will unless it is your ability to catch in that millisecond of a moment between the time the subconscious gives the conscious a thought and the conscious acts on it, unless you're able to catch it in that millisecond of a moment, well, then it's all said and done. There is no such thing as free will because the unconscious is telling the conscious what to do. You know, I I look at that and say that perfectly makes sense. Um, The literature clearly demonstrates it. I could say factually that's how the process works. However, I'm overlooking my ability to change what's in my unconscious, to change the programming that's there. Because when I can change the programming there, then I'm predisposing what it's going to send to the conscious mind. So then I'm not, you know, I'm not making the same choices. Uh, That person that, you know, cuts in front of me in 5 o'clock traffic that might have upset me day before yesterday no longer upsets me because I've reframed that and I and I think of it differently you know my favorite analogy with the reframing the context stuff is the saliva you know you see this one done I mean you, you've seen me share uh-huh. this with you get a great reaction every time you do that one. You know, and for everybody out there listening I just want you to think about the, the saliva in your mouth right now and I want you to you know taste it move it around in your mouth appreciate it. I mean, recognize it without it. You have a dry mouth and maybe you've awakened in the middle of the night with a dry mouth and, you know, you've gotten up to get a a glass of water. You know how uncomfortable that is. And of course, I wouldn't be having this conversation if my mouth was dry because you can't talk. Uh So you appreciate it. I want you to recognize that. Then I want you to just kind of imagine that you have a shot glass in front of you, uh, the kind, you know, a bartender utilizes and I want you to spit some of that saliva into uh-huh. that shot glass. And then now just tip it a little bit. Look at it. Are there any air bubbles or something like that? Now drink it on back, you know? Gross. And the minute, you see, the very second that it changes 
from my mouth to the glass, something happens. And the something that happens goes like this. In my mouth, it's wonderful. In the glass, it's vile. It's exactly the same. And there are so many things in our life that we define that way. In one context, it's okay, or it's glorious. In another context, it's absolutely horrific. And what you have, I mean, that's precisely what the master manipulators do. You know, the politicians, the advertisers, in order to get you to choose what it was that they wanted. That's exactly right. And that's, that's what I try to show in the first half of the book. And then, of course, in the second half, as you know, we want to give people the tools necessary to discover themselves and to take their own mind back. And, and you know, one of the most rewarding parts to me about the book is kind of goes like this. You, you talk to the average person on the street about what we're talking about. Uh, they might get the spit. You know, I can give lots of other. I do give many, many uh-huh. more examples. Um I can actually take them down the road where, you know, I make some of their decisions. But that aha, that epiphany, uh, it often doesn't come unless you have the ability to spend a really intense period with a person, two, three, four hours, showing them how you know every one of their thoughts before they actually have that thought. Okay? So... What I enjoy most about the feedback I get from the book right now is the number of people that get the book because they're interested in who's programming me, you know. I mean, the politicians are. They're running all kinds of subliminals during uh, commercials. They're using all kinds of compliance principles, and I tell you what those compliance principles are. They're using tools, techniques, technology. I mean, discoveries that have been made with the latest in in uh, research uh, devices like enhanced magnetic resonance imaging where we're actually looking at at the brain while you're processing information so stimuli can be presented and we can we can measure an, uh, an almost direct input output kind of correlation so so with that kind of uh, of of capability that exists in the hands of all the people that want to motivate you, want to own your thoughts, want you to buy their product, want you to vote their way, want you to make this choice. Imagine all of that in their hands and and the public being blind to it. So, okay, back to my point. I tell people this, I talk to people about this, and and they get the book for whatever reason, to see about this, but I'm exempt. You know, not me. I haven't been brainwashed, but but I'm interested in this. I want to I want to know more about this. I mean, maybe this affects my children. That's one of the questions I get asked all the time. Or is this influencing my kids? You cannot believe the extent to which it's influencing your children. And, you know, some of the things that I said 10, 15 years ago. Remember the letter that I sent President Clinton that his secretary of Uh education responded with their accolades and letters about? We made forecasts in that letter, and those forecasts have all since been demonstrated to actually have happened. That, by the way, is on my website for our listening audience, uh, if you're interested. But, but here's where I'm going. I get the letters from people, and they go like this. 
I didn't think I'd been brainwashed. I didn't even believe there was such a thing as brainwashing. I thought that was maybe just some kind of hokey conspiracy theory. I mean, who's going to brainwash me? I mean, I've heard about all this stuff like HARP, the high-frequency RRL. I've heard about Electro, but that's so far-fetched. But then I read your book, and I see how it's done. It's done every day, and it's not done with all that kind of thing, although that that is real. It's done with the day-to-day information that I'm processing at every level. And it's changed my life seeing that. And now everything is opened up, and all of a sudden I'm not stuck in the same place, and I'm not doing the same self-sabotaging things. And And to me, that's the rewarding part of this book. That's the real benefit. It is. You do do provide a large number of tools. I mean, as we said, it's really two books in one. So the first half is the education, because if if you're not aware that it's there, you can't do anything about it. But once you're educated, I mean, the second half of the book is just full of tools and techniques and things people can do to get back in touch with themselves and to undo some of the programming. And most of them don't cost a dime, no. you know. I mean, there's uh, there's at least 30,000 words in the second half of the book telling you how you can do things for yourself, ranging from automatic writing to muscle testing, and, and what you have to watch for if you use those things, because they're not, you know, not always the most reliable. We kind of have a tendency to tell ourselves what we want to tell ourselves. But how you can use these things to truly peel the layers back and uncover, you know, get back to that authentic self, that that person that is the quintessential you, the magical you, the, the you that uh, has within you the birthright ability to be and do anything that you choose to do and be. It is. You know, I think... From the comments I hear from people, too, you know, some of the techniques that they like using in there is to do with the self-hypnosis because you have a few exercises in there that teaches them how to do the progressive relaxation and some of the exercises they can do when they're in that state. So you're actually handing the reader of the book all the techniques they need to program themselves so they can choose you know, how do I want to program myself today? And this is how I should go about doing it. It's really very cool. You know, editors, and you know this, actually encouraged me to break up the back half of that book because there are several different books in the back half of Uh the book. You could have a book on the hypnosis. You could have a book on each of these uncovering techniques and each of these uh, tools that are really powerful tools that help us get back to who we are. All right. Well, we're out of time. Uh, We've come to the end of another hour of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank all of you out there for joining us, and I hope you you get some insight from today's show. I hope you do take advantage of this uh, opportunity, and I hope you've enjoyed what we've been discussing today. Uh, you know, until next time, uh, same uh, time, same place next week, I want you to remember this. Believing in yourself always matters. Good night, good afternoon, good day, wherever you might be.